Section 4 Victory Without and Within. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Hirsch. For poverty and self renunciation, the Father yieldeth back a thousandfold. In the calm stillness of regeneration cometh a joy we never knew of old. Pietro was not avaricious. He cared nothing for the money as money. His plan now was to cut off all supplies, and when his son, who had always been accustomed to the daintiest and softest of living, and was in no way inured to hardship, found that he was now literally a beggar, he would, after a little privation, come to his senses and sue his father for pardon. This was his idea when he sought the bishop and made his complaint to him. The bishop called Francis to appear before him. On the appointed day he appeared with his father. The venerable bishop, who was a man of great good sense and wisdom, heard all there was to hear, and then, turning to the young man, he said, My son, thy father is greatly incensed against thee. If thou desirest to consecrate thyself to God, restore to him all that is his. He went on to say that the money was not really Francis, and therefore he had no right to give away what was not his. Besides, God would never accept money that was an occasion of sin between father and son. Then Francis rose and said, My lord, I will give back everything to my father, even the clothes I have had from him. Returning into a neighboring room, he stripped off all his rich garments, and clad only in a hair undergarment, laid them in the purse of money at his father's feet. Now, he cried, I have but one father. Henceforth I can say in all truth, Our Father who art in heaven. There was a moment of dead silence. Everybody present was too astonished to speak. Then Pietro gathered up the garments and money and withdrew. A murmur of pity swept through the crowd as they looked at the young man standing half-naked before the tribunal. But no sentiments of pity stirred Pietro. Easy and good-natured when things went according to his liking, he was equally hard and unbending if his will was crossed. It was to him a rude awakening out of a glorious golden dream, and from his standpoint life looked hard. When Pietro departed, the old bishop threw his own mantle round the young man's shoulders and sent out for some suitable garment. Nothing, however, was forthcoming except a peasant's cloak belonging to one of the gardeners. This Francis gladly put on and passed out of the bishop's hall, a homeless wanderer on the face of the earth. He was not inclined to return to St. Damien's at once. He desired solitude, so he plunged into the woods. As he traveled, he sang with all his might praises to God in the French tongue. His singing attracted the notice of some robbers who were hidden in the fastness of the woods. They sprang out and seized him, demanding, Who are you? 
francis always courteous replied i am the herald of the great king but what does that concern you the robbers laughed at him for a madman and after they had made game of him for a time they tore his garment from his back and tossing him into a deep ditch where a quantity of snow still lie they made off crying lie there you poor herald of the good god when they had disappeared francis scrambled out stiff with cold and clad only in his one garment and went on his way singing as before happily his wandering speedily brought him to a monastery among the mountains he knocked at the door and begged for help the monks regarded this strange half-naked applicant with much suspicion and one can hardly blame them nevertheless they received him and gave him employment in their kitchen as assistant to the cook to do the rough and heavy work his food was of the commonest and coarsest and it never seemed to occur to any of them that he would be the better for a few more clothes when his solitary garment appeared in imminent danger of dropping to pieces he left the monastery and went on a little further to a neighboring town where a friend of his lived he made his way to this friend and asked him out of charity to provide him with a worn garment to cover his nakedness the case was manifestly an urgent one and the friend bestowed upon him a suit of clothes consisting of a tunic leather belt shoes and a stick it was very much the kind of costume then worn by the hermits from here he started back again to st damien's he stopped on his way to visit a lazar house and help in the care of the lepers he had quite gotten over all his early antipathies and it was a joy to him now to minister to those poor diseased ones probably he would have spent a much longer season here if it were not that again he seemed to hear the same voice calling him to repair the ruined church so he left the lazar house and proceeded on his way he told his friend the priest that he was in no way disappointed or cast down and that he had good reason to believe that he would be able to accomplish his purpose there was only one way in which he could attain this end money he had none neither did he know of any one who loved god and his cause well enough to expend a little of their riches in rebuilding his house next day saw him at work up and down the streets of his native town he went begging for stones to rebuild st damien he who gives me one stone shall receive one blessing he who gives me two will have two blessings and he who gives me three three blessings the people were unable to do anything at first from pure astonishment francis bernadon the gay cavalier the leader of feasts and song suing in the streets like a common beggar they could hardly believe their eyes truly the fellow was mad they said to each other but he did not look mad his smile was as sweet as ever and the native polished courtly manners that had won for him so many friends now that they were sanctified were doubly winning 
it was impossible to resist him, and stones were brought him in quantities. Load after load, interminable loads he bore on his back like a laborer to St. Damien. Up the steep little path he toiled between the gray-green olives, on and into the tangle of cypress and pine, and there, stone by stone with his own hands, he repaired the crumbling walls. It was a long, wearisome, toilsome work, and told considerably on his health. He is quite mad, reiterated some, as the days passed from spring to summer, and from summer to autumn, and from autumn into winter again. But there were others who watched him with tears in their eyes. They knew he was not mad. They realized that a great power had changed the once refined man into a servant of all, even the constraining power of the love of Christ, and they shed tears when they thought how far they came short. The priest of St. Damien's was deeply touched at Francis' self-sacrificing work, and often grieved when he saw him doing what he was physically so unfitted for. He conceived a violent admiration for his young lodger, and in spite of his poverty he always contrived to have some dainty dish or tidbit for him when he returned to meals. Now Francis always had been particular as to his food. He liked it well served, and he was also very fond of all kinds of sweets and confectionery. For a time he thanked his friend and ate gratefully the pleasant dishes he had provided. One day, as he sat at dinner, the thought came to him, What should I do if I had nobody to provide my meals? Then he saw for the first time that he was still under bondage to his appetite. He enjoyed nice food. It seemed necessary to him. But was it like that life he so earnestly strove to copy? Francis sat condemned. The next moment he jumped up, and seizing a wooden bowl he went round the streets from door to door, begging for scraps of broken meat and bread. The people stared harder than ever, but in a little time his bowl was quite full and he returned home and sat down to eat his rations. He tried hard, but he turned against them with loathing. In all his life he thought he had never seen such a horrid collection. Then, lifting his heart to God, he made another trial and tasted the food. Lo and behold, it was not bad, and as he continued his coarse meal, he thought that no dish had ever tasted better. Praising God for victory, he went to the priest and told him that he would be no further expense to him. From henceforth, he would beg his meals. When Pietro heard that his son had added to his eccentricities by begging for his food, his anger knew no bounds. When he met him in the streets, he blushed with shame and often cursed him. But if his family were ashamed of him, there were many among the townsfolk with whom he found sympathy. Help came in on all sides, 
and at last the walls were repaired and the church was no longer in danger of tumbling into a mass of ruins what was needed for the inside was got in the same way as the stones and pretty soon a congregation was forthcoming one of the hardest sacrifices god required from francis connected with this work was one evening when he was out begging from house to house for oil to light the church he came to a house where an entertainment was going on a feast very similar to those he had so often presided over in his worldly days he looked down on his poor common dress and thought with shame what a figure he would cut among the gay well-dressed crowd within for a moment he felt tempted to skip this house but it was only for a moment reproaching himself bitterly he pushed in and standing before the festive gathering told them simply how much he had objected to coming in and for what reason adding that he feared his timidity was counted to him as sin because he was working in god's name and in his service his request was taken in good part and his words so touched all present that they were eager to give him the aid he sought after st damien's was quite restored francis set to work and did the same for two other equally needy churches in the vicinity one was st peter's and the other st mary's or the portion Kula. the second one became eventually the cradle of the franciscan movement here he built for himself a cell where he used to come to pour out his soul in prayer when his work of repairing came to an end he gave himself up to meditation his whole idea being that he would henceforth lead the life of a recluse but god disposed end of section four recording by tom hirsch